So, we're uh, on this road, on this uh, series about God, we call it God at work. It's a bit of a pun, we want to see God at work, but we want, as we work, we want to have God with us in our work. And we're thinking about, as uh, Lou said earlier, how we can live as followers of Jesus in the majority of our time. Uh, Unless you might be a little bit like me, um, probably most of your time is not spent in this building or around this community. Most of us, the majority of our time is spent elsewhere. We, we do other stuff, don't we? Some of us have jobs. Most of us have jobs, I guess. Others of us are do, doing other things in our lives that are not in church. And one of the priorities that we shared at the church forum uh, as a leadership is this uh, burden that we have. Not only that we are a community who is missional, are, are, are living and behaving and thinking and breathing like missionaries... Uh, with a message and a life to share and the good news to show people and demonstrate in our locality, but also in our networks, our other places where we are during the week. Because most of us are in all kinds of places. Some of us are in other countries even. Looking at Dave down there. Uh, or or in, in other, other places. But we want to be living for God wherever we are. And last week, and in the house groups, we saw that work is more than just getting paid to do something. It's more about what we do with each day, what goes into living. And we saw how God introduces himself to us in his word, the Bible, in Genesis chapter 1. The first thing we learn about God, actually, is that he's a worker. He works. He does things. He's involved in his creation. And we learned as well last week that we're made in God's image. And we're told, as the human race, male and female, created in God's image, to rule his creation on his behalf. Now we heard as well, it's all gone rather sadly wrong. As human rebellion came in and we heard about the fall and so on. But that mandate, that kind of commitment that we were given as human beings to rule on God's behalf still stands. We still have that that mandate and we can still get on with it. Now the fall made work much harder as you read in Genesis 3. But the mandate is still standing. And we looked at two very important uh, New Testament uh, verses last week and they came up in house groups as well. Here we are, here's one in Ephesians 2 verse 10. We are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. God has started, we heard, a new creation. People who have come to know Jesus for themselves are alive and recreated, it says, in Christ Jesus. Something new is going on as we're in relationship with him. And what's the point of that? To do good work. Again, does that ring any bells with Genesis chapter 1? God did his work. What was it like? It was good. What are we told we're recreated to? Good work. And sometimes, we'll talk about this later in this series, sometimes we think that good work just means, you know, doing good for people. You know, what you do volunteering. Actually, it doesn't necessarily mean that. It's about everything about our lives. Good work. And there was another, if that's not enough, we looked at another reference in Colossians 3. And again, you saw it in house groups, or you will do. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. And that verse talks about the scope of God's passion to be involved in our lives. As we heard last week, there's no division between the sacred and the secular, what we might call the God stuff, you know, 
and the rest of life. It's all one. Whatever it is, as believers, as people recreated in Christ Jesus, we're to do everything uh, for God's glory in the name of Jesus. So for the rest of these weeks, and really this series, it's a, we're going to scratch the surface. It's just a huge subject, as Lou said yesterday. Remember all those, last week, all those books she showed us. People have done a lot of thought about this. And we hope to have some more kind of detailed discussions. But for the moment, we're, we're very much in introductory mode. But I hope there'll be enough for us to, to get hold of. For the rest of these weeks, we're looking at some people in the Bible who live this way, lived as believers, lived for God's glory in their ordinary jobs. They weren't prophets. They weren't apostles. They weren't church leaders. They weren't monks. You know, most of them weren't even doctors and nurses and teachers and all those really things that we think are really valuable things to do, not like selling things, you know. No, they weren't. They were people who were, were doing all of those things. And how were they work? Selling is great, you know. God bless you. So, there he is. God bless you with that. Um, they're people who were doing proper jobs, not people like me, you know, who, who work for churches and stuff. And today, it's uh, Joseph. And, you know, it's the rise and fall and rise again of Joseph. It's an amazing story. You can't, we can't read it all today, but we are spending this week and next week on it. And as we shall see, through it all, Joseph's integrity stands out. That means he is truthful. He is loyal. He is faithful. He can be depended upon. He, he's that kind of worker. And there's a reason for that. His integrity doesn't come from nowhere. There's a reason for it, as we shall see. So, let's meet Joseph. We meet him in the Old Testament. That's the first book of the Bible. And we're going to look at chapter 39 of Genesis in a minute. And it's on page 43. As I say, Joseph is an Old Testament character. He's very early on in the story of the Bible. He's actually Abraham. Remember Abraham? Key figure. Jews, Muslims, Christians, all root back to Abraham. Well, uh, Joseph is actually Abraham's great-grandson. So that, he's in that kind of line. He's in that family that God had become part of. God had introduced himself to Abraham. And, uh, and as Abraham responded to God, God had met him and said, I'm going to bless you. We saw that a couple of weeks ago. And God became part of Abram's family, uh, shaping, his, shaping them, using them, getting to know them. And Joseph is one of those in the generations that go on. He's had a tough start he was the favourite of his father, and as the younger one of about 12 plus, plus brothers, um, they didn't like that very much. And, you know, if you've seen, well, you've seen us, Lou or Leah or the Goddards, and they'll tell you about the show, go and see it for yourself down in, no, don't really, but, you know, you know the story. He nearly gets murdered by his brothers, but at the last minute, he's uh, let off from being murdered by being sold into the hands of some passing slave traders. And he finds himself eventually in Egypt, a long way from home. Chapter 39, verse 1. Now Joseph had been taken down to Egypt. Potiphar, an, Egypt, an Egyptian who was one of Pharaoh's officials, the captain of the guard, brought him from there, sorry, from the Israelites who had taken him there. The Lord was with Joseph and he prospered. And he lived in the house of his Egyptian master. When his master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord gave him success in everything he did, Joseph found favour in his eyes and became his attendant. Potiphar put him in charge of his household and he entrusted to his care everything he owned. 
From the time he put him in charge of his household and all of all that he owned, the Lord blessed the household of the Egyptian because of Joseph. The blessing of the Lord was on everything Potiphar had, both in the house and in the field. So he left in Joseph's care everything he had. With Joseph in charge, he did not concern himself with anything except the food he ate. Now Joseph was well built and handsome. There's Joseph. Let's think firstly about integrity at the source. See, once Joseph's in Egypt, he's sold as a slave to this key official. He's described here as a captain of the guard. That, that's a, you know, that doesn't mean just some normal Joe soldier. This man would be something like the Home Secretary of Egypt or the head of Homeland Security. Or, you know, so he, you know, he was quite a significant person, was Potiphar. He's got a very important boss. And Joseph starts to do really well, doesn't he? You can see it in the story. He says, first of all, it says he, he, gets, he gets work in the house. Now, usually slaves will be out in the fields, you know, till they were known. Joseph is quickly promoted into the house. What happens next? He gets another promotion, doesn't he? Did you see that? He then becomes Potiphar's personal assistant. Well, there's another promotion. And then it doesn't stop there, he gets another promotion. He becomes head over his entire household. He becomes the chief, the personal manager of everything. Joseph, I can't call him Joe in my notes, just for sure. Joseph is doing really well. He's doing really well. He's successful. Interesting, you know, some of us have a bit of trouble with success, don't we? You know, we're almost you know, a bit embarrassed if we're successful. We don't like people who are. But, you know, here's Joseph. He's a godly man. He's successful in his work. There's nothing wrong with that. Maybe you could talk about how you feel about success at work. Do you think you should want it or not? All kinds of questions can come out of that. But with Joseph, it's not just about him, is it? There's a reason for his success. First of all, we read in verse 2 and 3, the Lord is with him. Did you notice how many times in that bit of the story, Joseph, uh, the, 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 the narrator is telling us that the Lord is with Joseph. Time and time again, we read that. Then we also read that other people are being blessed. It says there that the blessing, verse uh, 5, of the Lord was on everything that um, Potiphar had. God brings something special into the life of this Egyptian head of homeland security through Joseph. Just because God is good. And Joseph was there. And God's blessing touches Joseph because God is with him. Remember what God told Abraham in Genesis 12? I will bless you and through you other people will be blessed. Remember what we saw in Psalm 67 two or three weeks ago? The Lord bless us and keep us so that your name may be known in all the earth. Already, this is happening. Joseph is there. He's being blessed by God. Other people are getting involved in it as well. And those people not only get blessed, but they realize, they notice that something's going on. It says here that Potiphar realized that Joseph was being blessed by God and God was involved in it somehow. I know that, you know, if only we knew more about that, but it's just a fascinating thing, isn't it? So God is with Joseph at work. God is the source of his integrity and a great deal more about him. God is at work with Joseph as Joseph is at work, even as a slave in Potiphar's household. Now as you go to work, are you looking for that? As you do go to be a student or as you spend time doing whatever you do, whether you've got a job or not, whatever you do most of your week, 
Do you go into it thinking that, wow, God is at work here. God is with me. And God wants to bless other people through me. You know, he, uh, he wants to help me do a great job so that other people get something of the flavour of the goodness of God. It's an amazing way of going about work. I, I, uh, when I did do a proper job, I, was, uh, I worked in pro- the probation service. That was my first kind of full-time job. I was a probation officer in Gosport. And, uh, you know, I used to try and pray, make it a discipline, to pray that somehow my clients would... I wouldn't be witnessing to my clients. That's not a good professional uh, way of dealing with probation clients, unless they ask you questions. But I would be praying that somehow they, they would see that God was with me, that there was something different about what they got from me than what they would have got if God hadn't been part of it. That was all. It was a simple thing. But it helped me get, keep my focus at that time. It wasn't always successful all the time, but you know what I mean. It could be that we need to realize that God can be with us in our job, because in Christ we're recreated for good work. We're blessed to bless others every day, wherever we are. Joseph knows that God is with him, blessing him, blessing others. That's where his integrity comes from. This relationship with Lord, so with the Lord. So, can you get this possibility as you go to work? It really is the big theme, actually, of Joseph's life. Now, many of you know the story of Joseph. We'll be familiar with what Joseph says to his brothers at the very end of his life. It's here. He says to his brothers, looking back, thinking about how God had been at work in his life, you intended to harm me, but God intended it for good. And those of us who read the story of Joseph often think, well, that's great, and we stop there. We think about God's sovereignty and how everything went really pear-shaped for Joseph. It all worked out all right in the end. But actually, Joseph doesn't stop there. Joseph explains a bit more what he meant. God meant it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. Joseph looks back on his life. You know the end of the story of Joseph. Because of what, where Joseph was as then prime minister of Egypt, he says... I've been able to to save the lives and bless the lives and bring good stuff into the lives. All these pagan Egyptians, all these people all around the Middle East, there's only one real family who knows God at that time. But God has been at work to bless all those other people, to save their lives, to use me for that. See, that was the, the kind of principle of what's going on as Joseph went to work. So quite an interesting way, isn't it, to think about work. Simple point, but try it, see where it takes you. So here we have then Joseph, he's doing pretty fine, he's successful, he's good looking, uh, and then comes a bit of a challenge. Let's read on from chapter uh, 39, verse 6. Here we see his integrity under real pressure. Now Joseph, as we read, was well built and handsome. And after a while, his master's wife took notice of Joseph and said, Come to bed with me. But he refused. With me in charge, he told her, my master does not concern himself with anything in the house. Everything he owns, he has entrusted to my care. No one is greater in this house than I am. My master has withheld nothing from me except you, because you are his wife. How then could I do such a wicked thing and sin against God? And though she spoke to Joseph day after day, He refused to go to bed with her, or even to be with her. 
Well, Potiphar's wife then, she sees quite a lot of Joseph and kind of wants to see, see a lot more of him, as you can imagine. He's good looking, she's attracted to him, so she starts to uh, suggest. We, we, again, it's, a, it's amazing how these stories are told. We only have what's here and you know, there's all kinds of gaps or stories you could write about it. But you get the idea. Now, it could have been that as far as Mrs. P, Mrs. Potiphar was concerned, um, you know, uh, the head slave, the manager was, was game for her. You know, that could be just, that was one of the privileges of being married to Potiphar. I checked out what the morals were like, as far as we can tell, in ancient Egypt, actually. And I was interested to find that in many ways their culture was quite similar to our own at the moment. There was quite a lot of sexual freedom. It was believed that it was, it was kind of fine. But adultery was clearly wrong. It was not condoned in, in any way at all. So Mrs. P was out of line. It wasn't just that you know, it was normal for people like her to be able to have their um, husband's servants. It wasn't, uh, it wasn't right at all. Joseph's around a lot. She's attracted him, so she keeps trying to get him into bed with her. And Joseph says, no. Again, it's fascinating. If you look at the difference in the dialogue between what she says come to bed with me, with what Joseph says, you know, there's a, quite a long speech, that the, the writer, the storyteller is telling us something about how that's all going on. Now why does Jesus, uh, why does Joseph rather say no? Do you see why he says no? There are two reasons. First of all, there's his integrity. He says, I'm not going to betray my master. He's, uh, he's trusted me with everything. I have this position. Uh, I, I'm a man you know, entrusted with him. If I, if I go to bed with you, uh, Mrs. P, then all of that is just over. I've just betrayed my master. It's not that he's worried about losing his job. He just knows that this would be wrong because he is a man who wants to be in, of integrity. But there's more than that. He says, secondly... There's this relationship with God. He says, I will be sinning against the Lord if I have sex with you, he says. uh, Joseph must have heard enough of the Genesis stories in his family to know what God had said to Adam and Eve about sex, about, about covenant commitment. He knows that sex was to be in a covenant committed relationship. And he knows that other expressions are just simply going against what God wants for his people. And he knows that that will affect his relationship with God. Do you hear that? It will affect our relationship with God if we sin. And Joseph says, I'm not going to sin because my relationship with God is more important than that. Two reasons, my relationship with God and my integrity. It's just not an option for him. He said, my relationship with God is more important. Now we could think about sex and work, couldn't we? Lots of temptations in that area. I've got, got any um, statistics, and I'm not in the secular workplace, but you know, you don't have to be a, a rocket science or to, to work it out, do you? Lots of people spend lots of time together. Lots of affairs start out of work-focused uh, relationships. And the, the pressure on us to, to maybe to, to act in a way that is not right. And there is an issue of integrity, whether you're a believer or not. Whether you have a relationship with God, there's an issue of integrity that says, 
if I sleep with someone else, or if I sleep with one of my colleagues, if the whole thing, if work becomes just a, a place where you know, everyone is um, you know, fulfilling their sexual appetites is the main thing, I am breaking integrity. I'm breaking faith with people. I'm breaking faith with other colleagues. I'm breaking faith possibly with that person's uh, partner or, or my own. Lots of reasons why for integrity we need to be pure in the workplace. But of course, we also need to know that as believers, if we don't, then we end up breaking or spoiling or getting out of relationship with the Lord if we sin. Because as a believer, God matters. God matters to us in the workplace and we want to be obedient to him and live his way. Now how does Joseph cope it's interesting to see. First of all, he, he clearly keeps the bigger picture in mind. It's fascinating. There, there's these short sentences from, you know, all, the, all Mrs. P is saying, come to bed with me, come to bed with me. There's this sense of, you know, the heat is on, so to speak. Joseph is saying, now look, actually there's a bigger picture here. I'm not just going to follow the impulse of the moment. I'm not just going to follow my appetites. These other things matter. And he's kind of responding to her, come on, let's just you know, get in the photocopier cupboard or whatever the equivalent is, to say, no, th- th- you know, th- it's not, this isn't just about you and I having a, a, you know, a good time for a few minutes. There's some big issues here. And maybe that might help us if we're tempted in this way, to just remember that there's a bigger picture. There's our relationship with God. There's relationships with other people. There there are ramifications. There are consequences. There are outcomes. And in a way, what Joseph is doing is, he may have been very attracted to Mrs. P, or she may have been really horrible. He may not like her at all. But the point is, up to, to to the kind of rising sexual pressure, he's kind of keeping his mind on the bigger bigger issue. But then the other thing he does is basically, it says, it says in the text, he stays away from her. He basically avoids the situation. And maybe that's something. Maybe you need to be uh, careful if you're aware of pressure, where you go on conferences and who you go with and uh, you know all of that, what colleagues you're with and, and where your hotel room is and all that kind of stuff. You maybe need to be careful and keep the distance if you're finding yourself uh, pulled in that direction. So it's a bit unfortunate pun, I'm sorry about that, right? But the key thing in all of this is that for Joseph, his relationship with God is part of his life at work. That's the thing. Do you get that? His relationship with God is not kind of left in the boot of the car in the car park. It's not kind of put up in the locker if he puts on a uniform. He doesn't kind of take off his clothes and puts his relationship in the locker, turn the key and go to work. It's there with him, part of his life in the workplace. Have we got that right? Let's not hide our relationship with God in our sandwich boxes, so to speak. God is for the whole of our life, including work. So let's see what happens next then. Third point, and last point actually. Chapter 3, verse 39, 11 to 23. One day he went into the house to attend to his duties, and none of the household servants was inside. She caught, that's Mrs. Potiphar, caught him by his cloak and said, Come to bed with me. But he left his cloak in her hand and ran out of the house. 
<clears throat> when she saw that he had left his cloak in her hand and had run out of the house, she called her household servants. Look, she said to them, this Hebrew has been brought to us to make sport of us. He came in here to sleep with me, but I screamed. When he heard me scream for help, he left his cloak beside me and ran out of the house. She kept his cloak beside her until his master came home. Then she told him this story. That Hebrew slave you brought us came to me to make sport of me. But as soon as I screamed for help, he left his cloak beside me and ran out of the house. When his master heard the story, his wife told him, saying, This is how your slave treated me. He burned with anger. Joseph's master took him and put him in prison, the place where the king's prisoners were confined. But while Joseph was there in the prison, the Lord was with him. He showed him kindness and granted him favour in the eyes of the prison warder. So the warder put Joseph in charge of all those held in prison and he was made responsible for all that was done there. The warder paid no attention to anything under Joseph's care because the Lord was with Joseph and gave him success in whatever he did. So Joseph then is loyal to his boss, loyal to God, does the right thing, And Mrs. Potiphar says, oh yeah, that's great, I'll become a follower of God too. Sadly, no, that's not how it happens, is it? She isn't impressed by his loyalty to God or his loyalty to her husband. She accuses him of rape. There's also, if you look at the the story again, the way it's told is fascinating. See that little hint of racism in there? Look at that Hebrew. She says to the other servants, stirs them up, look at what that Hebrew is doing. And then she says to her husband, look at what that servant of your... You know, there, there's, you know, there's a lot kind of in the dialogue that gives so much away. But it's not going well for Joseph, is it? Because Joseph is now in prison. He could have been executed, looking on the bright side. He could have been executed, that was a possibility. And it could be that some of the scholars tell us that uh, Potiphar may have known that his wife was a little bit of a... Um, what's the word, tempted by young um, servants. Because he's not executed, he's actually in a VIP prison, that one for the king's kind of uh, prisoners, Um, although it's no picnic, later on we read that he's actually in shackles, so it's not so easy. So here's Joseph, he's been pure, he's done the right thing, and now he's in prison for his trouble. There's no guarantees, are there, that when we do the right thing, it's going to go well for us. And work can be one of those places where that is notoriously not the case. Now, I don't know what to say of that other than don't feel that God's abandoned you, don't feel that you're the only one. It happens. And it's happening to Joseph. And as you read the verses at the end, it's fascinating. They read as a very careful parallel to what's said at the beginning. Did you know, you can see it in the English and you can see it in what we just read quickly. Because just like in Potiphar's house, God is with him. His integrity remains. And we see the same thing that we heard about God blessing Joseph, being with him, blessing others through him. It's the same story, but it's a different setting, basically. And what's that telling us? that in the different circumstances, God is still with him. He's still being blessed. He's still being a blessing to others, even in this awful kind of wretched prison where he just doesn't know how he's going to get out of it. Still, God is using him, blessing him. 
his relationship with God, the presence of God in his life, his determination to live with God's presence as the source of that integrity, and it carries on. It's not dependent on circumstances. That's really important, isn't it? Because some of the circumstances we go through at work can be pretty darn difficult, can't they? And we need to learn that whether we're you know, having a great time in our jobs or in our lives, or whether we're like Joseph, you know, as the result of, you know, you, you've done the right thing and all you've got is stuck in prison for it. That God's presence is still there. He doesn't evaporate as the circumstances change. So is our relationship with God, is our blessing of God, is the blessing on our, of God on our lives, is the way we live for God, is our integrity and obedience to God, is that dependent on our circumstances? Is it okay in church, but, well, forget it at work. Is it okay in good times, but not so sure about it in bad times? Things we need to think about, aren't they? All of us. Because we don't know what's around the corner, do we? But while in prison, here's an interesting thing. We learn that relationships really matter. I'm not going to, I'm going to stop now because I haven't got time to go into chapter 40. But when you get home, do read chapter 40 because I think we'll be looking at it in the house groups. We see in the prison that there are three relationships that really matter. In fact, most of the story about the prison is all about his relationships. Relationships with the, the prison warder, so he gets put in charge. His relationship then with two of the other prisoners, uh, the cupbearer of Pharaoh, who's in prison, and the baker of Pharaoh, who's in prison. And we see Joseph's impact on those three people, and we see God at work in their lives through Joseph. And surely one of the key things about work is that relationships matter. We can really get to know people we work with. Or if you're not in a job, the people you spend each day time with. Or or the way you order your life, the people you get to know. These relationships really, really matter. People really get to know us, or they can do. So we mustn't shut people out. We mustn't say, oh, I don't want any relationships with anybody at work. Yeah, I don't mean relations like Mrs. Potiphar, but, you know, friends and, you know, shared interests and whatnot. Sometimes I think we, we're scared to engage in friendship with people. But it's a great opportunity. And in chapter 3, we see how Joseph's integrity is seen. These guys in the prison end up having bad dreams. And they get, uh, you'll read the story, Joseph uh, says, well, actually, um, I could help you out with those dreams. And Joseph is very honest about the dreams. Uh, in fact, one of the dreams has got very bad news for the guy, and he's honest about that. Joseph is honest and straightforward always in this time. He's also very honest about his own situation. In chapter 40, verse 14 and 15, again, you might look at it in house groups. He says to the cupbearer, he tells the cupbearer in chapter 40, you're going to get out of prison, it's good news. But he says, but when you do, remember me and show me kindness. Um, If you can mention me to Pharaoh and get me out of prison, that would be helpful, verse 14. He says, for I was forcibly carried off from the land of the Hebrews, and even here I've done nothing to deserve being put in a dungeon. Joseph is very honest about the way his situation sucks. You know, he doesn't say, oh, well, I love God, you know, everything's fine. You know, don't worry about me, it's just a flash wood. I don't mind staying here as long as God lets me stay here. I'm here, I'm happy. No, you know, he's, that's not what he's like. He's saying, 
yeah, it's, it's t- I don't like it here. It's tough here. But, I, I, but I'm willing to, to look to God to get me out. And I just think that's quite interesting. He's always honest about a situation because that's part of relationships, his honesty. And he's always as well open about his God. When it's the right time, there's only one, he mentions God once in chapter 40, but it's the point where he says, actually, you've got a dream, I know someone who can help us with that, God. And at an appropriate time, he mentions God. And there may be appropriate times when we need to mention the name of Jesus in our workplace. And there will be inappropriate times when it's not wise to. But there will be moments, and it's worth thinking about when those moments might be. And then verse 23, the end of it, actually the the cupbearer gets out of prison, but he forgets. For two years, he forgot all about Joseph, and Joseph carried on. You know, timescales can really suck at work, can't they? You want to be in a new job. I I know this for myself. (laughs) I did a job. I was 13 years in a job that I wanted to do for three years minimum and five years maximum. It It was fine, and I knew God's blessing on it. But that was my plan, but God's plan was uh, another 10 years. You may find that. And how we process difficult circumstances is really important because our integrity is seen by others there. And then it all begins to change. Pharaoh has a dream in chapter 41. The cupbearer remembers Joseph. He says, oh yeah, I know that guy. I've forgotten him for two years. Anyway, Joseph gets out of prison and becomes uh, the prime minister of Egypt. But that's another story, and Lou will be talking a bit more about that next week. So some key points, finally. I've gone on a bit. I'm so sorry. First of all, God can be part of your working life. He wants to bless you. He wants you to be a blessing to others. Our relationship with God is for the whole of life, not just for church, including work. The source of our integrity has to be our relationship with God. Secondly, that, this can bring us under great pressure to compromise in the trust of others or to compromise in our relationship with God. Temptations are part of working life, but you don't have to cave in under pressure just as Joseph didn't. And integrity... Because it comes out of our relationship with God is for all circumstances, good ones or bad ones. God's presence with us and purpose for us is constant, whatever our circumstances are. And that includes what happens each day. And finally, relationships are at the heart of how God wants to bless us, to bless others in what we do through our lives, whether or not we're paid for it. Amen.